right. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Verse 5. Of course. And it has to be the pastor's phone, right? Hard to deny that one. <laughs> it was from God, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, last week we had started looking at the spiritual house that God has, is building himself. Um, Peter told us that Jesus is the cornerstone of this house that God is building. The most vital stone in the whole house. Everything had to be perfect. Uh, we talked about the cornerstone and how everything had to be hewed out. All of the angles had to be perfect. Everything had to be precise. Otherwise, the whole house would be off. And eventually, the walls would come crashing down. So if Jesus, the Jesus of this Bible, is not your cornerstone, then your spiritual house will be off. Your spiritual life will be off. You end up embracing those things that God calls an abomination you end up blessing that which God calls murder. Your homes no longer follow God's blueprints. The church begins to look more and more like a club, more like a social club, a who's who, instead of a hospital for the sick who want to get well. These cornerstones of those times were massive when they would set these stones, they would be absolutely humongous. The cornerstone that was in the temple was 39 feet, 4 inches long. It was 7 feet, 10 inches wide. And it was almost 4 feet tall. It was actually 43 inches tall. And they estimated that the stone weighed somewhere around 80 tons. But that is not the largest cornerstone that you can find in Israel. They have one cornerstone that is 41 feet long. Can you imagine? 41 feet long. It is 15 feet wide. It is 11 and a half feet tall. And they estimate it to weigh 600 tons. That is a cornerstone that is going nowhere. I guarantee you. So once that cornerstone, once that massive rock is put into place, that thing is not going to move. It is not going to change. It is not going to go any other place than where it is set at. You know, a good carpenter will never be satisfied with mediocre. 
I learned that with Jay Stout. As we were doing the siding on the church, I'll, I'll never forget it. We were over here on the west side, and we were doing this whole side down through here. And we got over to the corner, over the corner over here where the crosses are at. The little flower garden over there with the crosses. We got over there. We come around the corner after having everything set up there. And we met up with the existing siding that we had already started off with. And it was off. It was way off. It was off by an eighth of an inch. And Jay had to come apart. He's like, this will not do. I said, Jay, it's in the corner. I said, Jay, nobody will know it. Nobody will even know it. It's over here. The crosses are here. The flowers are here. I said, nobody will even know it. He said, oh, Russell will know it. Amen. <laughs> oh, Russell will see it. That'll be the first thing he sees. He said, oh, this won't do. And he said, I said, Jay, nobody's going to know about it. Nobody. He said, I'll know about it. I said, oh. I said, Jay, if anybody says anything, tell them I told you to leave it i come back the next day jay had showed up early and you know what he did he ripped down this whole side over there and started over he put it back up by himself i guess i was the problem <laughs> but a master carpenter is not satisfied with mediocre he said this is god's house and he said i want it as as perfect as i can get it and he was willing to go back and to create more work for himself in a spot that nobody, I'm telling you, nobody would have even noticed it. But Jay knew it. And he wanted it right. And so he took the time to put it together. You know, God is the master builder of his house. And he will build a perfect house. And the perfection will only be because of the cornerstone. This perfect house will be because of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of which everything else is lined up with. The cornerstone that will not move. The cornerstone that is perfectly hewned out. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded unto you therefore which believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they are appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, 
that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You also are living stones. We are made living stones because we have accepted Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the living stone. You see, we become Christ-like. If Christ is the cornerstone, if Christ is this massive stone that everything else is marked off of, then we are little living stones. We are the stones that make up the wall of this house that God is building. Each one of us as Christians becomes a part of this church, becomes a part of this building. You know, one of the most beautiful homes I think I've ever seen, I've seen down in Branson, Missouri. And they had, they had built a, a brick house. And just sporadically throughout the brick house, there would be pockets, spots of rough stone that they had placed in there. You would have all of this symmetrically straight brick. And then just here and there and everywhere, just little sporadic spots, they would have these beautiful stones that they would place inside of those walls. Just as the beauty of a rock house is each individual stone. Each stone that was chosen by the master builder. Each stone that was found and found a place within that wall to make that wall look as it looks beautiful. Have you ever taken the time to look at a stone wall? We have one out here on the front of the church down there. And you go and you look at each one of those rocks. And each one of those had a purpose. Each one of those has its place in that wall. And it brings the beauty to that wall. Each stone was chosen and perfectly placed. And in the same way, God has chosen each stone that fits into the wall of this house that he is building, into his spiritual house, perfectly placed where it fits best. You see, we Christians are those stones that are placed. And we are placed and we are attached to the cornerstone perfectly placed where we belong. God puts us where he wants us. In other words, you're here because that's where God placed you at. You're here because this is where you belong, for now anyway. That's the beauty of a living wall. Sometimes the stones are moved. Sometimes the stones are put in another place. Sometimes God puts them somewhere else that they need to be. Sometimes the stones are relocated, and then once again, they are exactly where they belong. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 through 4 says this, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, the whole world will share in his glory. In Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself up for me. You see, we are living stones only because we are attached to the living cornerstone. And then he goes on to say that we are built up as spiritual houses, or built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Now in the Old Testament, the temple represented the presence of God. And in order for the people to have anything to do with God, they would have to go to this temple. It was a temporary physical house that was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Romans and was never built again and will not be rebuilt again until the tribulation, as the Bible teaches us. Acts chapter 7, verse 48 says, The Most High does not dwell in temples made by human hands. As Christians, we have become living temples. God lives in us. We are the church. It isn't this building. It isn't these walls. We have become a church in and of ourselves. All of the bodies, whether from, from Brushy Knob or whether from Ava Assembly or from, from our, our sister Baptist church, all of those, we have become the walls of God's church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves. You see, Paul called us the household of God in 1 Timothy 3.15. And in Hebrews 3.6, but Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. And we, we are God's house. If we keep our courage and we remain confident in our hope in Christ. Now look at the last part of verse 5 again. He says that we are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, only the high priest could actually enter the Holy of Holies. And he would only do that once a year during Yom Kippur. That was the time that he went in and offered sacrifices for all of the people. One time a year. And these priests, they had to meet very specific requirements. You know... We've talked about it before, and sometimes when, when you do in-depth studies, you find out things that you've heard your whole life that you find out are not true. Well, I found out something in my studies that I have heard my whole... I've heard preachers preach on it. I've heard teachers teach on it. And I found out as I was studying that it is not correct. I learned some interesting facts. Listen up. This is going to shock some of you. The priest did not wear a rope on his ankle when he went in to the Holy of Holies. That is a myth. That is a legend. 
Nowhere in Scripture is that mentioned. Nowhere in the old manuscripts is that mentioned. That is a myth. As a matter of fact, it's worse than that. The high priest didn't even wear bells when he went into the Holy of Holies. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2 through 4, makes it clear that the bells were only worn in the holy place. The holy place was outside of the veil. When the priest went into the holy of holies, he would bathe himself, and then he would wear special linen garments, and that's found in Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 4. You guys can look that up, but it's <laughs> I went over it several times. It absolutely, because I've heard my whole life that they had the bells when they went into the Holy of Holies, and if they weren't right, the bells would stop ringing, and they knew they would have to drag him out by the rope that was tied to his ankle. Anybody else ever heard that? It was a myth. I think I've said it. As a matter of fact, when I was taking notes, I wrote it down and had to go back and erase it. But look it up. And if you want those verses later, get with me and I'll give that to you. But there was a high cost for those who did not follow God's instructions for his temple. For example, Korah and his cohorts were destroyed by God because they wrongfully tried to become priests. That's found in Numbers 16, 1 through 40. King Saul lost his kingdom because he made a sacrifice that was not lawful for him to make. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Uzzah touched the ark to keep it from falling over. And he died because he unlawfully touched the ark. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And King, and King Uzziah... He died of leprosy because he burned incense on the incense altar that he was not lawful to do. That's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 21. Now listen, under the new covenant, those, limita those limitations do not exist for us. For we are all a holy priesthood. If you are a Christian, you are a holy priesthood. There's no longer one high priest that goes in and offers sacrifices for us. We are all, according to Peter, are all holy priesthoods. But there are still some significant parallels that are, are interesting and things that we need to consider. Number one, the priests were chosen by God. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus told his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and that you would bear fruit and that that fruit would remain. So number one, the priests were chosen by God. You, as holy priests, have been chosen by God. Number two, God cleansed them from their sin before they could perform their duties. That's found in Leviticus chapter 8, 6, 6 through 36. And Jesus has cleansed his holy priesthood with his own blood. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25 says, 
for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus has sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and he did not punish those who sinned in times past. Number three, God clothed the priests for service. He set them apart. He wanted them to look different. He wanted them to stand out. He wanted people to know that they were the priests, that they were the high priests. And today, God has clothed us as believers in righteousness, that we would stand out in a world that is full of unrighteousness, that we would look different, that we would be different, that we would stand out against the world. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself out like a priest with the beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, God has clothed us in righteousness. Number four, God, through Moses, had anointed the, the priests for service. Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 30. And we have also received a divine anointing as believers. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20 says, You, however, have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. We have been anointed with power and with authority of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. And number five, God prepared them for service. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 33. They would spend, as everything had been prepared, as they had all their clothes given to them, as everything had been given to them, God took a seven-day period that they were supposed to go and prepare their minds for the service. They had a seven-day heart preparation. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, God tells us that those who are in ministry should not be recent converts. He said, lest they become puffed up, they become prideful. They need time to prepare for the job that God has for them. And number six, this is the last one. God called the priests to obedience. As obedient priests, we have, number one, to hold God's word in high regard. Number two, we have to have a genuine walk with God. And number three, we will be true witnesses in deed and in word for a world that is lost around us. High regards for the word, a genuine walk with God, and to be a true witness in deed and word for the lost. Now next week, we're going to look at our spiritual sacrifice. Listen, 
If you are a Christian, you are a living stone. You are Christ-like. You are a part of a house, a spiritual house. You are a part of the church. You are priests with priestly responsibilities. Would you stand to your feet? This is my question for you this morning. If you are a Christian and you have just heard those things, you are a living stone, you are a priest with all of those responsibilities, my question to you this morning is how are you doing? How are you doing? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. God, we are so thankful that you remind us, God, that there is something greater than us out there. God, yes, we're a part of something great. We are attached to the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And God, help us to walk straight. God, help us to be a part of this this body, this spiritual house that you are building. God, I pray for each one of us that are here, God, that we walk as priests that we are reminded that we are representative of Jesus Christ, that we have duties as priests. We are a holy priesthood. And with that comes great responsibility. And now, fathers, we conclude this service. God, I want to pray right now for those that are being baptized this afternoon. God, I pray that this is a moment in their life they never forget. I pray right now that this is a moment that, that they are moved to a change in their life, God, a change for the good, a change for, for a better life, a, a more glorious life. God, as they step in that water, as a symbol of their attachment to you in your death, burial, and resurrection, God, that they are new creatures. And they're telling the world. They're shouting it from the rooftops. God, I pray you bless them today. Now, Father, as we leave this house, I pray that you give us many opportunities to be a witness for you. God, I pray if there's people down at the creek, God, this is a reminder to them that you're real and that you love them. And we ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Meet us at the creek.